0: Sam, what's going on? What's going on, Mike? Good, man. How's the uh, trading going? It's going well. I actually haven't traded
1: today or yesterday. Awesome. Just taking a break or? I just didn't see anything uh, that I was able to get shares for that I liked in the last couple of days.
0: Yeah. yeah I, I agree, man. Things have been kind of slow for uh, street spikes and kind of pre-market. So I, I've taken off probably the past three, four days too. So. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. How's the other group going? I sort of took a break. I talked to David a little bit. He's like, yeah, we kind of started our own chat and stuff like that. So, um, I'll probably look at rejoining you guys on the WhatsApp in like August or something like that. So cool.
1: Yeah. Um, David is as informative and sort of keyed in as ever. I don't know if I know someone else who, with more energy that I know well, well is the stock market. So it's awesome to see. And then uh, it's great to see Adam have more of a swing mindset and learn a little bit from that. Yeah. So it's a good yin and yang, I think, but I totally get what you're saying. Sometimes I've found when I work a little less or I don't talk to people for a period of time, it's somehow results in better trades maybe because it takes some time to process and learn from others and then you have to apply it to your own trading what do you think
0: yeah I think that's pretty true um you know it was I would often take breaks you know when I was doing like precision rifle competitions yeah you know, we'd be on a hardcore training schedule and then uh you'd sort of ride that edge of getting burnout and so yeah and I'm sure you know that from hockey and um, you know stuff like that but you know, taking a break, sort of getting your mind off it, starting something else. You know, you come back refreshed and, you know, you make better shots, better trades, stuff like that. So I totally agree. Yeah. Cool. Man. That's good, man. So the group's going well for you guys. I'm looking forward to joining back up.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's helpful. We, we will never know, right? Because you can't really run that
0: test. <laughs> right. Right. Not much data on that.
1: but um i know for sure not not having a group at all you know maybe no one makes it in the market i don't know
0: (laughs) yeah yeah oh that's good um
1: Moss, moss is pretty keyed in as well i don't know if you've come across him he he's in you know germany so he's got a pretty sweet time zone as well
0: What's uh, yeah, what's he trade for pre market? What time is that over there? Uh, it's 10 a.m. Oh, that's pretty nice. That's pretty good. Yeah, shoot. Yeah, does he have a YouTube channel? Because I saw the video you sent, but I don't know too much about him. But I think he keeps a pretty low profile.
1: He's posted a little bit on Twitter, but the name of his game is kind of less is more in terms of number of trades. Gotcha. Took him like five years, he said, but now he exclusively trades like stocks that are up like 80% in the pre-market. Gotcha. This way it's it's incredibly disciplined.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. The, um, yeah, I think that's pretty good, but, uh, I've checked in on the discord a few times, but my schedule has been crazy because we're looking at selling my fiance's house. I'm selling my house. We're getting married, moving up to India. So it's just yeah, that's why I took off from WhatsApp because it was just too much going on, you know. Yeah, so
1: I get
0: you. just trying to conserve energy, you know, getting up at two, two thirty Texas time, it's like, dude, I'm gassed. So I try to any energy I have, just try to put it right towards trading, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, have you come across anyone else who's uh who you've been learning
0: from? No, not really. I just kind of um now I just sort of, you know, I, I took a lot of courses when I first started. I took Ducks's course. I took, man, I don't even know. Ducks' warrior trading, Boiler Room Trading, which is a YouTube channel. Uh Ricky Gutierrez YouTube. Um, obviously Tim Sykes. And then just a bunch of like peripheral stuff. Um once I kind of got, got done with all the courses i sort of just kind of figured out how i how i kind of want to approach the market and that's pretty much it i mean i'll check out guys but um i don't know i just i have so much research and stuff that i gotta do on the docket that that's where all my time goes really so cool yeah that's pretty much it i'm working on a new play right now it's an intraday long play um so we'll see how that goes development i'm probably like maybe 40 percent done with it so hopefully we can get that Get that play in, you know, because the past two weeks has been pretty weak for straight spikes. So try to get that second play in so it can kind of supplement that diet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm
1: sure that makes you feel some comfort to have a long play in, in development.
0: Yeah, definitely. Commission, like no locate fees. I mean, commission rates are like cut back by like 80 plus percent. You know, when you're doing an intraday and long, I mean, it's essentially commission free. You can do TD Ameritrade, wherever. You know, you don't need like crazy specific brokers to do that. You know, you could actually, this place specifically, it's a slower one. You could you could do it pretty much with a Roth, uh, a Roth account too. So. Robinhood. Yeah, you could do Robinhood too. Yeah, yeah, I, I had a, a Robinhood account for a little bit. Um, like years ago but i don't think i made any trades on that so
1: reed says he's faster on his phone than on his computer
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think david told me that one time like david went to go visit him and he's like yeah Reed just does on his phone like in the car i was like man that's crazy because they're they're more scalpers so i'm like that's crazy that you can do be that quick on your phone
1: you know it's crazy and he comes out with some of the best sometimes the best entry
0: yeah wow. yeah yeah that's crazy well this is cool man so where do you want to take this podcast you think or what gave you the idea to want to kind of kick this up
1: uh well in 2020 i started to TikTok. i don't know what i was but that's what happened (laughs) and uh you know sometimes you gotta get your money up not your funny up so maybe i'll reignite that with a little more zoned in audience and try to meet people instead of just the super broad useless fun stuff so
0: yeah cool well i hope it goes well for you man i mean tiktok i mean obviously you know that was huge so i mean it's probably good that you got kind of involved with that and and made some videos you know
1: yeah i don't know you know i i don't know (laughs) There's folks who have really utilized social media well. They sort of have like a, you know, atlas of the of the trading world. And people can sort of use that map and find their way. But I don't know if that's like the best way to go. So, yeah. but you're super inspiring and talking about having energy, um, getting up at 2 a.m. You got, you know, family in the works and you're working. So what's the best part of working in the oil field?
0: So oil field, um, so that actually kind of goes back to, that's a little bit of my recharge actually. So what I do in the oil field, I'm more of a ranch hand. So I don't actually work on the pumps. The pumps are pretty dangerous, it's big machinery. Uh, I've had relatives die on the, the oil pumps themselves. So you really don't work on the pumps unless you have a couple of years experience um so i'm more of a ranch hand i you know i work for my uncle he, it's a family-owned business so whatever ankle biter tasks that don't involve the pumps that's pretty much what they have me doing so simple stuff painting fences chasing cows that get out of the property um hog hunting the hogs destroy the land out there so hog hunting uh if they get bad um, and I enjoy it. You know, I think it's, it gives me a good recharge. I get away from the computer. I'm outside. I like physical work. And so the computer, as you know, it's, it's docile and, you know, you gain weight, eat like crap, but go down the oil field, you're detoxing, you're sweating, you're, you're kind of getting that physical energy out. Um, probably similar to hockey, you know, you kind of get in a flow state and it's, uh, it's just a good recharge. Uh, I'm out there by myself really good sunsets you know that's where i go to talk to god that's where i meditate that's where i shoot um you know so i do that uh, i gotta go out there tomorrow actually so i'll be out there out there for a few hours but um that's probably the best part it's just really the break i get if i go out there take a break come back here at the end of the day do a little bit of excel you know kind of review the trades if i took any you know stuff like that so, so- it's dirty though so if you don't like dirty work you know I wouldn't suggest getting into it. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: dirty jobs are some of the best jobs, you know, some of the most useful and maybe underappreciated jobs.
0: Oh, yeah. Did you ever watch the TV show uh, Dirty Jobs, Mike Bro? Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. But
1: am I picturing it right? Is this if I picture an oil? Brig in a movie going up and down in my picture. Yeah, that?
0: yeah, absolutely. Yep. Those are oil pumps. Uh they call them um they're not oil derricks they're oil pumps. Um yeah, that's pretty much it. They look innocent, but you get up there and it's some of them get huge, like 20, 30 feet tall. And I mean, you can get your arm taken off easily with those, you know. So sometimes we have kids that like, you know, younger kids that want to explore, they'll come out on the property and uh you know, they they hop the barbed wire fence. And it's dangerous because they a lot of them just don't know how dangerous they are because they're not moving fast. They're slow, but they're super powerful. So if you get your shirt caught in it or something like that, like guys have been, you know, got amputated and all kinds of stuff. So you got to be really careful. But.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, that's good that you don't necessarily have to do that gig.
0: Yeah. 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 I wouldn't mind doing it, but, um, you know doing other stuff. So I'm not gonna do the two or three years to kind of get used to it, you know? Cool. So, yeah.
1: Was that the craziest thing that you've ever done or have you done anything crazier?
0: Craziest thing, I would say, I kind of look back on my life. I did six years in the army. I really, there wasn't anything crazy that happened during that time. I didn't get deployed. Um, I would say probably the craziest thing I didn't necessarily do it, but that I had to go through was probably cancer. So I went, I went through cancer twice, first time in 2015, second time in 2018. And um, that was just a crazy time, man. There's um, so many highs and lows in that. I look back on it. I grew so much in per, like personal development, um, just the procedures, having to go under the knife so many times, the drugs I took. And just kind of the fun, like there are just some funny parts um, in there that, you know, some of them were were medically, you know, it's real medical. So it's pretty, some of it, of it can be gross if you've you got a weak stomach. But um, I would say that's to date, that's probably the craziest thing that's happened is just all the stuff that was involved with cancer, chemo, surgeries, waking up in the middle of surgery, you know, seeing them over top of me is like stuff, some things you'd see in your dreams, you know? Um, yeah, that's probably, probably the craziest thing that's happened to me, but, um, yeah, I don't know if I've necessarily done anything too crazy. I'm pretty, I'm pretty straight. I, for the most part, I, I kind of follow the rules. Um, I own a motorcycle once that was pretty good. I would kind of push the limits on that, um, as a crotch rocket. So, you know, you, you can get going pretty fast and, uh, no I'm, I'm generally pretty uh fairly straight-laced so <laughs> well, I'm glad you
1: came out the other end
0: Yeah yeah for sure it's uh probably craziest part of that so I got my rib amputated and uh I kept the rib I asked the doctor right before I went into the surgery I was like you yeah, know I th- I thought of this idea I was like it'd be cool if I could get the rib carved into a cross as as like a necklace sort of like a memorial of going through it and so i asked him before i I went under the anesthesia i was like hey do you mind if i keep the rib once you take it out he's like in my 30 years i've never had anyone ask me if they could keep their amputated body part (laughs) so he had to actually ask his nurses like hey can he do this you know and the nurses said well i think if it's for religious purposes you can you can do that. So he allowed me to do that. So, uh, I still have my rib. I mean, that suckers. I had surgery in 2018. So it's four years just sitting in my freezer and, you know, me and my family joke about it. Like, Oh, you know, we should bury it in the backyard and, you know, like the cops might see it and say, Oh, like somebody's body's back here or something like that. So we kind of joke, but, um, yeah, I got to get that carved. It's been sitting in there too long, but (laughs) wow. That's, I've never heard that. Yeah. (laughs) So, craziest thing, I guess, you know. Yeah, that that
1: qualifies. (laughs) You like to blow off steam on the weekends and shoot, right? So, what's your favorite gun?
0: Let's see. Favorite gun, I would probably say, is my long gun. So, my long gun is a bolt action. Um, If you watch Hollywood, it's you know, people call it a sniper rifle. It's just a, you know, precision weapon that you use for hunting or anything like that. Um, a couple of days ago, actually, I was out, um, out in the oil field shooting. And it's just fun, man. You know, if you do reloading, make your own bullets, you know, I was out shooting at uh, 1200 yards and it's, it's fun to be able to take, you know, when you make your own bullets, you can take your own creation and then actually get it to sort of, do something you want it to do. So like hit a target, you know, just like trading, you know, you take essentially nothingness and and you learn the skills and then you find a pattern that you like, and then you start to develop something that can potentially make you money. So you go from, you, you you sort of create something that does something that you want it to do, I guess, if that makes sense, you know? So I'd say my favorite's probably my long gun. I'd say the most practical weapon I have is the shotgun now. The shotgun, I have three different barrels for it. Um, you can do anything with the shotgun. If you're going like only, only own one weapon, I'd say get the shotgun. you can shoot bird shot, buckshot with it. You can change out a barrel in 20 seconds, and now you can shoot Sabo slugs and do deer hunting out to 300 yards. So it's super versatile. They're cheap. You can get one for three, four hundred bucks. Ammo's relatively cheap. Um, the ammo for the long gun is real expensive. It's probably right now it's probably two dollars and fifty cents a round, which is pricey. But um ammo was ammo price has been going up. So it's kind of you know, it's a little annoying. But yeah. Do you shoot at all? I shot a muzzle loader once. Nice, nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, my uh, parents sent me to a conservation camp. They're real into environmentalism. Yeah. I didn't realize that that's hunt, what hunting camp is called.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's, I didn't know that. That's funny. So I've never, so can, was it conservation camp? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. I'll have to look that up. So where did you do that? Was that like in the boonies of like Montana or something like that? No, it's here in Vermont. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So Vermont question for you. Have you ever heard of um, 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 what is the ice cream called? Ben and Jerry's.
1: Yeah. Pride and joy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's based out of Vermont. We had a neighbor who was from Vermont originally and we had to do a school project. I think when I was a kid and they said, pick a state and our neighbors were from Vermont. And so I was like, oh, I'll just do Vermont. So that's where I learned Ben and Jerry's ice cream was from there. And so I called them up. They sent a bunch of these little samples. And so everyone in the class, is was like third grade, you know, everyone in class got a little sample of Ben and Jerry's. That's, that's one of the few, th- I don't know much about Vermont, but I know Ben and Jerry's is from Vermont. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: They got bought out by Unilever, but I think they retained. Their oh, own. did
0: they? Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: So what, cool. what, what book uh, do you wish you could reread again for the first time?
0: Let me think. So. Yeah, there's a couple of good ones. Um, I didn't really care too much about personal finance up until, I don't know, what, what 2022, probably three or four years ago. And uh, one of the first books I read was The Richest Man in Babylon. That was a really good one. But uh, I think one of the biggest ones that really just kind of, uh, that I would reread top five out of all the books I've read. And, and you know, I'm a huge fan of Market Wizards. And uh, yeah, I'm a fangirl, that's pretty good stuff. But um, I'd say The Millionaire Next Door, I think that's a great book and a super solid read. The author went to my church in Georgia, and um, man, a lot of good stuff. Have you ever read that one before?
1: I have that one sort of matches your personality,
0: it does, yeah, with the data collection and yeah. That I, what I really like about that is it sort of shines, sheds some light into what most, I don't know about most, but a lot of millionaires, it makes you rethink what is actual, like, uh, I don't know, high net worth or, or where, where should I be kind of putting my money? Should I be buying this super nice car, you know? And I think what's cool about that book is it shows a lot of guys that are really worth a lot of money. They're not buying some do, but most of them aren't buying like 20 pairs of shoes or four cars, you know, stuff like that. It's they're, they're a little bit smarter about their money. They buy one pair of shoes and they take care of it. They, you know, use the same car for 10 or 20 years. And and obviously you always have the guys that are more, um, you know, more open to buying, I guess, uh, nicer things, but, um, you know, there's a guy in town here that you know wichita falls is known for kind of the oil that's that's why a lot of people moved here he's he has a huge net worth but you never know it. he wears dirty overalls every day he works in the oil field i mean he he has enough money to just outsource everything but he's he just has that hardworking mentality which is what got him to where he was And you'd never know that, you know, he was worth as much as he was because he drives this old truck. And and uh, it's it's I think it's interesting because a lot of social media or or Hollywood or whatever, they all promote, you know, uh, music videos like, oh, buy these things. And and it's actually, you know, a lot of the guys that are worth a lot of money don't do that, you know. So that book was interesting to me because it sort of just shocked that, I guess, perspective that you thought people that were really rich buy a lot of nice things and some do, but a lot of a lot of people you would never even know had a lot of money, you know? Yeah. What were kind of your thoughts on that book? Uh,
1: well, it's been a minute, but what it made me think of was I went to, I go to this private equity conference. Yeah. And I remember hearing there's about 20,000 families with over 10 million net worth. I mean, that's a lot of, families yeah yeah so their friends their community members they're not on tv
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's interesting i think some guy said there's the most i don't know millionaires in history right now or it was some weird stat i don't remember exactly what it said but or it's the easiest time in human history to make a million bucks which Is cool in one sense, but then another sense, you're like, well, shoot, I'm not there. So it makes you feel (laughs) like, dang, I'm missing out or something. Like, what am I doing wrong? You know, but so. Yeah, well,
1: you're in a leveraged strategy in a field where it's attainable without luck coming into into your path.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can leverage that, you know, kind of get up there. So.
1: With that in mind, what's the, what's the worst, what's the worst investment you've ever made? You know, whether it's the
0: worst investment. So I would probably say this one didn't actually end up being a financially bad investment, but I would call it the worst investment because I didn't go into it doing my homework and it could have easily blown up on me. Um, I graduated college, was in the army for a year and a half. And a lot of the, um, a lot of officers in the army, not a lot, I don't know, some guys do this. Essentially, the army will move you around every two to three years. And um, so what a lot of guys do is they'll go to a station, buy a house, live in it, and then they'll rent it out once they move. So I said, okay, you know, let's give that a shot. I heard real estate's pretty solid. Um, But I didn't do really any homework on what's a good house to get. Just there's so many questions that you have to ask yourself. And even now I'm not a real estate expert, but I know way more than I did when I first bought the house and it was just, um, you just have to really kind of do your homework. And um, I think a lot of people, you know, I think in the early twenties are, are motivated to kind of get out, graduate college, buy a house, just sort of go down the American dream kind of path. And they, you know, I've seen a lot of people talk, you know, post on social media and oh man, it's cool. I got my house and you know, I'm adulting and all this stuff. But then it's like, okay, you got to pay mortgage and now, hey, you got to deal with termites and now, oh man, the shingles are coming off and I got to do upkeep. I gotta pay for an AC unit. Like it's cool to sort of in one sense brag, like, oh look, I'm I'm moving up in life. But then a lot of people, you know, younger people specifically. Oh, like, I don't know what house poor means. And so you buy this nice two story house, but then you got, you know, okay. Furniture or whatever. Cause dad, I didn't know a mortgage was going to cost this much because of property taxes and all this stuff. So I would say the, it sort of answers your question, but not, not really. It's again, wasn't a bad investment, but it easily could have, could have been a bad one. Cause I just didn't do my homework uh, on the property and uh, it was a good house, but, um, I think looking at it in hindsight, I'm like, it's sort of like a trade you get into when you don't really know what you're doing, but it happens to go in your direction. And you look back and you're like, dude, that could have, that could have easily blown up in my face and gone the other direction. So yeah, I'm thankful that it, it ended up working out, but uh, I'm, I'm selling it this summer, which is, uh, which will be good. So, you know, it'll be out, out of my hands and stuff like that. I ended it for about seven years, which is, you know, that's been fine. So. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. So it'll be nice to just start fresh and, you know, not have to worry about who's going to rent out your house and, you uh, know, worry about, you know, renters blowing up your house or something like that. So, yeah.
1: My extended family has had that trouble with renters. Oh, really? My cousins in Vermont, it's really uh, uh, friendly to renters. My cousins just bought a house sight unseen in Kentucky, which I thought was pretty a sign of the times. So,
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's
1: cool. I guess that's more common.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you in New York, things were kind of interesting when I lived up there because, and it still is, if you're renting, um, and I don't know if this was it'd been kind of the same with your family, but they're super pro from what I understand, which is a little bit, but not too much. Um, it's, they won't like kind of, if you're not paying rent, they're not going to necessarily kick you out. And, uh, they made a Netflix documentary, not documentary, but it's a show on like the worst roommates. And there's one guy, I think out of New York, like just really crazy roommate, but they couldn't evict them. And, uh, because like the rent, the renting laws up there, like they really protected the renters. And I, I was watching that thing to myself, like, geez, like, that's crazy. If I had renters that were doing what he was doing and I couldn't do anything about it, like, that's scary, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. So what did you learn at West Point? So West Point, um, I would say the biggest thing I learned up there was... I think learning how to figure out how to get things done. Um, Up there, they really, they pack you with a lot of stuff. Um, We would take, it was about maybe 20, 21 credit hours on average. And then we were doing military stuff and then you had your sport that you had to do. And it wasn't necessarily uh, difficult in the sense that the subjects or the things you had to do were tough, but it was just learning how to pack all of that into a 24 hour span and get enough sleep and balance your relationships and stuff like that. Um, so I think the two things that really stuck out from West point was uh, time management. You, you learn how to prioritize more effectively up there, um, which I think is by their design. Um, they sort of do it through fire. They teach you that concept. Um, but the other thing too was just learning how to kind of get, Buckle down and get things done. You know, like cancer, for example, you know, like they don't have manuals on. All right, here's what you got to do. You know, you can research that what are some foods I can eat or, or whatever that can help me through it. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like you're the one getting the needle. You know, I'd get the IV eight hours a day, five days a week. And there's just a lot of things that you can't really, uh, you can't really prep for. It's it's probably similar to parenting. I don't have kids, but I hear a lot of parents that say you can read a lot of books, but it's like you don't really know how to parent until you're actually going through it, you know. Um, So I think just learning to uh, kind of figure things out, like give yourself grace if you mess up you know, trading's really similar. Like, Hey, you got to figure this thing out. So, uh, give yourself some breaks, know that you're going to have some setbacks, but ultimately, you know, if you make a general plan of what direction you're going, you know, adjust when you need to and kind of keep cranking, keep waking up, keep getting after it. I think, uh, you know, generally things will kind of work out. They may not work out the way you think they will, but a lot of times, you know, you'll get, you'll get through it. So I think that's probably the Two biggest lessons uh, that West Point taught me. So,
1: well, I think that's a pretty positive place to end it. Is there uh, any any um, thing that you might want people to reach out to you about or place? Mm, to- that's a
0: good question. Um, I don't know if anyone's going through cancer. I love talking to other ca- uh, cancer patients. You know, I like helping them out. Um, I had testicular cancer. So for guys specifically, it's a really weird topic. You know, I noticed this when I was in the army, um, you know, because it deals with kind of your privates and stuff like that. But once you talk about it and you sort of give more transparency to it, I think people feel comforted and uh, they actually learn a lot about it. So, hey, if anyone out there that has cancer and some uh, somebody to talk to or, or some prayer, uh, feel free to reach out to me and i uh, love to chat
1: very cool Well, cool man hope to uh connect and um hope that we sort of ride this market no matter where it goes so
0: yeah i know it's been crazy the past march was march was interesting you know so uh I, i'd be curious to see how you guys are doing in the um kind of the, the whatsapp group i'll be in there eventually but um yeah, with the whole Ukrainians, the oil, and then the precious metals were going crazy. I took some hits there, and it's like, man, it just, March got, like, kind of tricky, you know, but.
1: Yeah, there weren't a lot of big supernova plays. Right. When they came with oil, that was big. Marijuana never really materialized.
0: Yeah, it kind of started, it started to heat a little bit up, I guess, and then yeah, you're right. Like nothing really followed through on that
1: one. I think that might be sort of par for the course for that sector though. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: don't know if you remember, like, well, it was a couple of years ago, I think around the time when Canada was thinking about legalizing it, like that was, that was sort of like, I don't know, maybe similar to the crypto, like everybody was buying into like, Oh, like this is going to be the huge thing, you know? And uh, yeah, that's funny. So we'd kind of, popped up there and sort of died off like pretty quick but
1: yeah yeah but i hope the there's a common ground in the whatsapp group where it's really useful to everyone and yeah one can share an amount that makes sense you know to their personality it's super uh interesting seeing you know someone take a $500,000 position when you're taking, when I might be taking a $500 position, but we, but they're still listening to you, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then you're seeing ducks take a $5 million position and uh, everyone's pretty much green the past couple months, but um, different dollar values.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We're all we're all kind of in this journey at different points, you know. So yeah, it's uh trading's interesting. It's you know, you can kind of group up, you know, with buddies, but at the end of the day, it's still you're you're kind of the one pressing the button. So there's some it's you know, it's unique. There's some camaraderie, but at the at the same time it's very independent and you have to kind of die on the hill in a sense of what, what strategy you're going to use, what mentality and, you know, how you're going to approach it, you know? So it's uh, it's kind of a cowboy mentality a little bit,
1: you know? Definitely team sport where everyone gets their own score. I like to say,
0: right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, sweet. Thanks. I hope. Yeah, for sure. Helpful for, one of us if not both of us at some point and i i hope you have a real positive april and the going forward in the summer that the house closing and is, is smooth and all that good stuff
0: so. yeah i appreciate that sam thanks a lot man hope the uh podcast works out for you man and uh, look forward to checking out i get i get all of david's podcast updates so hopefully i'll see you next next on the uh what is it the itunes podcast stuff so
1: yeah Thanks Mike.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Well, uh, thanks for the invite. Glad I was able to do an episode with you and, uh, look forward to catching up. Thing again, things are going to be busy, but hopefully once August hits, I'll be back kind of, uh, chatting a little bit more. So
1: back on the road to a million. <sighs> hopefully
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that would be awesome, but, uh, we'll see.
1: I think your, your risk adjusted return looks pretty smooth. So
0: I'm a boring trader, man. I don't, I don't, you know, I just sort of, I try to keep it slow and uh, slow and steady. I like, tur- I like being a turtle, you know,
1: so Just saying you're definitely in the top, uh, sort of half a percent. I think I'm, I'm fairly certain. So
0: I appreciate that. Yeah. Hopefully uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I need to get the other plays going. Um, like I said, straight spikes have been good, but you kind you of always need that those two or three plays that you sort of rely on. You know, I think David does, last time I talked, he does a lot of the, the not pump and dumps, but he like shorts the, the influencers or whatever they call those guys. Um, yeah. You know, what's that? <laughs> it's
1: just hilarious, like this industry.
0: Yeah, it's it's strange. Um you can make money in a lot of ways, you can lose it, but there, there's just a lot of niches, you know. Like I couldn't do, I'm I'm just I need to care more about the fundamentals. I just I I do well with data. That's kind of my specialty. So it's it's funny, like it's slow right now, and I, I'm like, man, I'm, part of me is like, you know, maybe I should get into like shorting what do they call those guys? Like stock influencers or something like these fake gurus that pump it up, these pumpers. That's what it is. Yeah. I'm like, you know, that's not a bad idea. Cause David's doing really well with it, but I'm like, I don't know. It just doesn't really fit. Like I'm not passionate about that stuff, you know? So I don't know. Yeah.
1: I've certainly started taking a look, you know, listening to those guys so much reading David because they're not wrong. Even in the pre-market at 8am, it's like, I open up YouTube, I open up Twitter, I do a few searches. And it's like, this is exactly what's happening. You know, make no mistake. And yeah, my data accounts for this, but I could just open up Twitter, you know? Right. And instead of spending like hundreds of hours making this, you know, my machine learning algorithm or whatever that has all these past plays. If I just put that aside and just took five seconds before I'm about to leave a trade and checked Twitter, it'd be the same percentage improvement on my results probably.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. It's uh, a lot of little niches out there in the market, you know, and it's, I think finding what your niche is, is is part of part of the challenge, especially beginning you know, I know I went through probably 10 different types of plays before I, I went full in on uh, pre-market and uh, I, I love pre-market even in the slow times. Like that's, that's just part of it, you know, but finding like that niche, once you find that niche and you're like, oh, okay, this is where I fit. The strategy fits me. You know, that, that's, that's kind of the, I think the big thing because, You're going to have to live and die on that Hill, whatever that is. If it's shorting pumps or panic dip buys, multi-month breakouts, pennies, whatever options, you know, a lot of ways to make money, but you have to kind of figure out, okay, what's that one that I'm just going to commit so much time to and just master, you know? So like I said, I kind of blabber, but, um, now thanks again for the invite, Sam. And I look forward to to, uh, just catching up, man, over the next few months. Absolutely. Thanks awesome. again,
1: and take it easy.
0: Definitely. You too, Sam. Have a good one. See you mate.